You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows like the one you're about to enjoy, visit electronicmediacollective.com. And now, our feature presentation. My time is yours. I was the last man standing. I am the man, and the man feels no pressure. You are facing a fuel-injected suicide machine. Fear from the man that rules the world. Welcome to the Vicious Circle. Sid, how you doing? Good, Rob. Just a little exhausted. Been working in the yard all day and uh, trying to hold on a second. Someone wants to say hello here. This is oh, hey, this is, oh brother. Hey, brother. <laughs> now, we're, we're just trying to get some stuff done where me and him can do a little fishing. Oh, sorry. Do a little fishing this afternoon. Nice. Have you been able to go fishing yet? This I've went, I tried a little bit. Uh, but I didn't really put any, put any real fishing time into it. So this will really be my first time this afternoon. I'm going to put a couple steaks on the grill. I got two ribeyes that weighed a little over five pounds. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I, you know, you know, this too, Rob, I've been eating chicken for like the last 10 years. Uh, I'm going to enjoy that steak. I'm going to put it on the grill, put a little barbecue sauce on it, but I will have broccoli and a little potato too. But, uh, no, I'm sorry, Rob. I'm taking a, uh, a picture out of your uh, cookbook, and I'm going to have corn tonight, corn yeah. and mashed potatoes. The reconstructive vegetable. I love that. <laughs> right, man. Well, you know, it's not a carbohydrate. It's, it's supposed to be a good fat for you. What fat you get, the rest of you sort of, you know, goes out the other end. Yeah, exactly. And kind of reforms itself. It puts itself back together. I don't know how that does that. We talked about that. I don't know if anybody else wants to talk about that, but it's a it is weird how it does that. So then right now, because things are starting to heat up, how are the allergies getting you down there? Because I know you talk about that being a, a hotbed. Well, you know, Rob, not to go into great detail, but reason it's such a hotbed here. We get all our, our heat and our humidity and and um, uh, from the Gulf. And that's, you know, the Gulf of Mexico, down with uh, Florida and all that is. It comes from there. Then we have this, the, the, the cold front the Arctic front uh, code wave that comes from the North and the, and the two sort of meet like this. So what happens is, and it unfortunately starts right where I'm at. It goes as far as this is about as far as West as it goes. And it goes as far as East as the Carolinas actually to the coast. And uh, where that Gulf gets a little weaker, actually that band goes from about the depth of the state of Tennessee. Then it goes, gets much wider as it gets close to the East coast. But the problem is, one day it's 90 degrees, and then the next day it's 42. So, the, you know, the stuff's going boom, 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 boom. So, like, for people like me and my grandson, bless his little heart, he is he's in the doctor's office sometimes every two or three weeks because he can't breathe. It's always saying things, got to get a breathing treatment. I noticed a couple of nights ago, uh, I got up, uh, you know, just I heard the dogs moving around. Got up, and I heard something. I'm going, oh, my God, what is that? And then I got closer to the kitchen, and I know it's not them. I hear it again. I go, then I'm getting scared. I think, should I get a gun, you know? Then time I turn on the light and figure out what it was, 
it's me wheezing. I went, oh my God, I was so you know, upset with myself that I was about to shoot myself over this. But uh, but that was, uh, no, the allergies here are the worst in, in the whole country. And that's why we get our, that horrible heat from the, from the Gulf. And then we get that cold stuff that comes down from the course up from where you guys are in Canada. And that's just how the, if you're, if you pay attention to the weather, you'll see that come down. And unfortunately we miss a lot of the rain too, because of that. Uh, and so everything's dry and the pollen counts at, at a max every day. And like I, I water my dogs every morning and, and uh, got these huge silver bowls that uh, feed and water them in. And the next morning and it's green. It's algae. I mean, I'm scrubbing my pool. I told you that I'm scrubbing my pool every day. I've got a, you know, of course, you know, you've been here at my house. I've got this pond back there. And I, I mean, I put this uh, stuff, which is safe. It's called aqua shade. It keeps the water blue. It keeps the algae from growing, but all the stuff on top, it just, it looks like, uh, I, I can't explain it. So I'm constantly scrubbing, adding more chemicals to the pool. Uh, it's, it's in, the, in my pond, you've seen it. It's actually a big swimming pool. So it filters all day long through these huge lava rocks, which are porous and catches most of that. And that's the reason, you, you know, if you notice my pond's really, really clear. Yeah. And again, pretty much what it is, is just an oversized swimming pool, about, about 900,000 gallon pond. Um, so it's a little bit bigger than a pool, but. Uh, got of course I got lime with those cypress trees, which make it, it's just a great setting to sit in the back in the afternoon, sit back and you know have a glass of tea, smoke a joint. That's what yeah. I enjoy doing. You know, just relax. Just relax. Exactly. Well, now because uh, uh, one of the things we were supposed to come on a bit earlier, but mentioned that you were just finishing up the lawn. So this is one comment. Any tips for the perfect lawn? I got to ask, how does cutting the lawn doesn't that affect your allergy as well? Oh, big time, Rob, it, it, Rob, it does. But what I try to do um, is I try to do it a little more often and say instead of once a week, I try to do it every five days. That way it doesn't kick up all the stuff. Uh, but, you know, really mowing the yard, it, it's, it's, it is a big part of it, but it's in the air from my neighbor's yard, even if they're not mowing, where it comes from the trees. Uh, and then the pollen count comes from everything. But, no, it, it doesn't help, you know, doing that. And, of course, um, but that's sort of part of summer. And you hear my voice right now, just horses. I don't know what. Yeah. Well, and we talk too, because that's the one nice thing about the summer is you get that cut grass smell. It's right. smells amazing, but it's got all that stuff in the air. Well, but there's, it's worth it at the end of the day, you know, and of course I'm not anywhere quite being done today, but in a few days, and it's supposed to rain in a couple of days, I think next few days, but the days I'm able to sit back there and not do anything, listen to that waterfall. I think it pumps about 300 gallons a minute on each. And I got three reservoirs. So that's, shoot, I don't know, 1,500 gallons a minute. So it's like Niagara Falls back there. You've seen it. But again, it's yeah. just like sit back there and I got a good shade on my deck. Just sit back there. And put. I really hope sometimes I don't even catch a fish. I just throw a line in and just sit there and watch the birds come in and stuff like that. Of course, that's uh, to me, that's relaxing. I got to be honest. The first day I was there, we were going to record the first episodes. I wanted to do it out back by that pond. But we should sometime. The waterfall would be a horrible background because oh, yeah. yeah trust I, me I about it. i'm gonna throw one more up here real quick this is from george uh sid craves is waiting for you remember i was telling you up here in chatham for the comic-con craves poutinery um they want to design a poutine after you you have to pick out your favorite food and they're going to make one for you this is the oh, man george oh yeah. george I, I i appreciate that so much 
Uh, I really do. Uh, that's one of the things that I miss about traveling. One of the places um, I miss the most is, is Canada. I love the, of course, I love being there in the fall or spring. I really love the fall too. I remember me and Carl Willett lives over in Montreal. We, we made a few fall trips and sometimes they, we'd be in a car sometimes for a week. This is when the WWF couldn't even afford to buy an airline ticket, much less or you know pay anyone. So we'd be in a car forever, and, and those were some of the best memories. That, you know, no one makes a better Caesar salad in Canada either. But uh, I just love the food, and uh, I'm really looking forward to chance to uh, seeing what you got to cook there, George. Awesome. Now, this episode, we're going to do things a little different because people are posting questions, but there's a topic that you want to get to first. Sure. So if you want to post questions, go ahead and we'll try and get some of those in. But this is this was the topic for today, but we wanted to do it live. Yes. Uh, mm -hmm. Go ahead, Rob. Oh, no, go ahead. This is your topic. Yeah. Well, me and Rob, uh, we first met, of course, over the telephone and we were both naked for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> I did have just, just joking. Uh, but no, we're, we're, he asked me, you know, Rob asked me, what are some of the things you would want to do in a podcast that are you know, different from other people. And we, and he gave me some ideas of what people were doing. We, he sent me some to look at. <clears throat> I thought were pretty much boring. Uh, the one thing I did notice about most all podcasts that I listened to or, or me and Rob would go over is that uh, somehow they missed out on the truth. Uh, and, and, and people use this platform for the wrong reason. And, uh, and what I said, I like to do one, We'd like to promote some things uh, that whatever we're doing, my, my, my autograph signings or stuff like that. I said, but the main thing we wanted to uh, clear the air on some of these rumors that are going around uh, and we could go all day. Uh, one day I want to do a just one on this show called Dark Side of the Ring uh, for the wrestling fans. I know a lot of the real wrestling fans know a lot of that's way off the mark. We won't go into that. The one topic I'd like to start with today is about independent promoters. And I'll go back for a second to Dark Side of the Ring, that one about cocaine and cowboy boots, a guy named Herb Abrams. Uh, was that was his name? Yeah. Okay. Herb was, I met him. I, I did a show for him. And he wasn't a bad guy. Uh, I did, unfortunately, experience some of the weird stuff uh, where he came to my room. I didn't realize he was in my bathroom with a, a girl with no makeup. And they were coking it up all night, asking them to leave. They did. We did the show the next day. But really, guys, what that show was and what the whole deal was, Herb was just a glorified independent promoter. Nothing more, nothing less. And when guys like sit up there and go, well, I, this was going to be a big break for me and blah, blah, blah. If you ever thought that, uh, you were stupid. You were stupid. Some people, if you said things like that, you were stupid to say those things too. But. This is the thing about promoters. They all lie. Uh, and I can say even the big promoters lie. So there's not an umbrella that says there's one good promoter that doesn't lie. But unfortunately, when we get into these real independent promoters, and this is the first time I've had a chance to be, on, you know, I guess, use social media to, to tell the truth or bring up some of the things I've heard. So today I'm going to take that chance. I'm going to take that opportunity. So a few weeks ago, maybe a month or so ago, uh, a guy I know named his Jeff and there's the other guys named Eric. They run a site called Psycho Sid Promotions, which we talk with those guys, but we you know yeah. that's the extent of it. I haven't even talked to Eric in a while. I do like Eric. I do like Jeff. I think they have some good views. A lot of them I don't agree with. Uh, so, I, you know, 
when they post stuff, it's not me. And, and I, I, I never tell them not to do something. And the one time I did the, uh, Eric said, Hey, this is my creative control. So I said, you know what it is. And I'm not going to step on that. So I didn't, but Jeff had got to my attention about, he'd been arguing with some guy online and I'm assuming it's the promoter, whoever was doing the, I guess it was the Sid Vicious softball tournament that would have happened at, uh, WrestleCon. Uh, and that would have all happened. And WrestleCon would have happened if it hadn't been for the pandemic. Well, this is how the story goes, guys. And I'm not here to bury anyone. I'm here to tell you the exact truth. I'm going to tell you the exact truth word for word. And if either one of these guys want to uh, uh, dispute me with it or about it, they're welcome to. And I gave them, I, I gave them, I, the one guy named Tommy Unger we're going to talk about, not only did I give him an opportunity, I was face to face with him when I confronted him about things he had done. But this is how the story goes. I was doing a sh- back last time about this year. Thomas Unger calls me, asked me if I would do a show in Winston-Salem for a guy. I said, sure. I got there. Uh, he calls me the day before I'm leaving. So he calls me. He says something on the telephone that actually set off a red flag to me that he, the money that we talked about six months or four or five months prior wasn't the same. So I called him back and said, Thomas, are we on the same page about the money? He goes, oh, yeah, it was uh, $4,000. I said, no, Thomas, it was $5,000. Oh, uh, well, there was a plane ticket and this and that. I said, no, that's not – I don't get the plane ticket. You do. I said, if there's a problem, I'm not going to be coming. He goes, no, 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 I promise. I'm going to give you your money. I promise you. There's no problem. So mm-hmm. when I get there, I go to his room and we talk. And I said, Thomas, I'm going to ask you one time and only one time to tell the truth because that's the only chance you're going to have and that's the only deal I can give you. I said, now, did you or did you not try to short me on my money? So he, he was like, well, I said, Thomas, don't you're, you're, you're going to make me angry. So don't do that. So he admitted it to it. And he, he did use the excuse about the ticket. The thing is, that's his fault, not mine. So he did give me my money. So after the autograph signing at Winston-Salem, a guy that was wanting me to come in to do the the WrestleCon, the softball thing, and he knows, they all know that I bring Doug, Doug Gilbert with me. So we're all three sitting there, standing there. And they say, okay. And they asked me, Sid, can we get you to uh, submit this deal and say that you'll be there? And I said, as long as Doug's there. They said, no problem. So I was going to do the autograph signing for Tommy, and I was going to do the uh, softball thing for, and I can't remember the guy's name. But the guy knows who I'm talking about. And I've done a few shows for him in Philly, and everything was on the up and up. The guy in Philly, there's not really a problem with. All right, so think about these things, too, guys. You don't hear from these guys till five minutes or the day of the show. So that's why I do not take them serious, okay? So they call me. It was actually about a week or two before the show. And said, uh, uh, the guy from Philly goes, you mind doing a video? And I said, I don't mind at all. Uh, uh, not at all. I said, but. I'm not going to do it until after Thomas calls and we've got our airline tickets. We got our hotel. I'm not going to, you know, waste my time on that. And I told that guy that or gentleman or whatever, whatever his name was. Uh, He told me again, I don't remember. Doug knows his name. I just didn't have time today and called Doug. So a few days go by. I get a, I get a phone call from Thomas Unger or Tommy, whatever he wants to call himself. Um, He said, Hey man, just calling about your ticket. Uh, You're still flying out of Memphis. I said, sure. I am. I said, uh, he said, okay, I want to get your ticket and everything will be cool. I said, well, did you get, are you going to get Doug's ticket as well? He said, uh, well, um, 
talking to this other guy, um, is, is this going to be a deal breaker? I said, Thomas, and Winston Salem, I, not that it matters because people like his word does not fucking mean a goddamn thing. But I shook a hand with a fucking creep like that. So I shook a hand, both of them. I said, Thomas, we shook hands on it. Yes, that is a deal breaker. So I never heard back from him. Okay. So that's how that went. Now, this asshole from Philadelphia gets online, starts arguing with people from Cycles and Promotions, saying that I did this to them. I didn't do one thing to them. I, I did what I promised I'd do. I'd do the video, but there was no need in doing the video until that fat-ass Thomas Younger called and got those tickets, which we know now he did not. So, yeah. really, the only thing saved all their ass was that pandemic. But the bottom line is this, Thomas. You one day will have to see me face to face and you're going to have to tell the truth. And I'm going to make you tell the truth in front of everybody that's standing there. And now you got that to look forward to. And see, and that's the big thing. There's always two sides. You can't just listen to one. No, side. that's what I tell the fans. This is the thing is there's some, these guys that are promoting these things. They have a hard time too. And I'm going to give you a story about a really good guy named Jerry Bostick out of Oklahoma. He called me one time, want me to do a show for him out of the, just out of the blue. He, uh, I, I said, okay. He offered me more than I normally get, uh, 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 and uh, you know, always asked to stay at the Marriott. He got me in my room. I was there that day. We did the show. He had a beautiful show. It was great. It had a great amount of people there. Um, only thing is, he was just he was spending more money he was making. But he had a lot of these shows in line, so he did. You know, he brought me in three, four of these shows, and sometimes. They were only like seven hours, so me and a buddy of mine, we decided to ride, just have a road trip. So one day, it was, uh, I think it was, I want to say El Dorado, Arkansas, I drove to. And we got there, and Jerry handed me a check and asked me not to cash it. He told me that it wasn't any good. So, you know, again, Jerry's been pretty square with me. I didn't get mad, didn't slap him or, you know, go to the front, grab a microphone and make a big deal. I said, okay, no big deal, Jerry. Jerry. I said, I'll keep the check for a few days. Finally, it got to where um, he got – I got half my money somehow. He either wrote, wrote me another check, and then he sent me the other half. It took me a little while, but he did do it. And and that, you know, again, I understand that. You know, there are situations where, you know, people have problems, and, and, I, and I saw Jerry's problems firsthand because I was there for four shows. He had a bunch of prima donnas that didn't want to do business, didn't want to help him out to help his show be successful. And that's what happens to a lot of these independent promoters. They just don't uh, – they're too easy to be pushed around. And, and instead of saying, hey, man, I need for you to do this for me to where I want to make my own champion, he couldn't get some of these guys to do this. And, and one of the reasons, Rob, and everybody out there know this, people take themselves way too serious. This business is a work. And the whole idea is try to work people to come back. And if you're not working with the promoter to do that, you're cutting your throat. You're cutting the guys in the locker room. There were a lot of guys that were dependent on Jerry. They had a really good thing going. I mean, really cool. I enjoyed being around all those people and stuff like that. But then you do have your good people like that. And I've got people I've worked for, Rob, for over 25, 30 years and never had a problem with any of them. You know, not one time did I have to call and ask about my money. Or, you know, or, you know, hear a story like from Tom Unger or Thomas, whatever his name is. I just know he's just a big fathead. Uh, but again, this is how they treat you, too. When One show I did for him in New York. 
Once it was over with, he paid me $5 bills. And then when I tried to get a ride to the airport, he didn't know anybody. So it was just by luck, there was someone there to give me a ride. It was a real nice fan. So I'm telling everyone, I would really be careful with any kind of business I did with that guy. Uh, for myself, and he knows this, I've told him, before I ever do anything with him, you're going to give me my money up front. And I've never had to do that with anybody. Well, I think that's the big thing. It's all about being honest. It's about letting people know exactly what's expected. And that way there's no surprises. Right. You know, it's the surprises that can really affect things. No, it really can. You know, um, I know I do. I do a con myself, like a comic con. I, I, I right. about it and stuff like that. And that's the one thing I've noticed. People come to our show and they go, wow, you're, you're getting us to the airport and back. And it's like, well, don't other right. people No, people sometimes don't, they don't get flights. They don't get rooms and, and they don't find out till they get there. I'm going to tell you something. When I was at that show, uh, worked for Thomas in New York that time, it was me, gorgeous George. And it was a lot of the, um, misfits and few under guys like that. And I'm not trying to be rude. They're, you know, you know, not top stars. None of those guys knew how they were going to get to the airport and nobody cared. Uh, again, if I didn't have that guy that was a nice wrestling fan standing there, I would have had to take a cab or something. But again, um, that's how it is, guys. If anybody says anything less than that, they are lying. And they can come to me. I, they know my phone number. Call me. I'll be glad to talk to you. Well, next time I'm in New York, Thomas, if you want to bring this up and tell me you're lying, I'm lying and you're not lying, I'll, I'll make that clear to you too. Uh, and the guy in Philadelphia, I don't know what your deal is, but I couldn't have made it there. And you shook my hand in Winston-Salem too, along with Thomas, and you backed out of the plane ticket. So that's your fault too. So don't go around blaming me for anything that was, that was your doing. And really, that's about all I got to say to those two rats. And that's just, and that's how rumors start because then people will go, oh, well, he didn't show up. So, right, right, right. Well, that's not the case. Yeah. That's why it's important. Always find out the facts. You know, there's two right. sides, you know, and that's why I'm glad you decided to do this, Sid, because you can get all these facts out there. Right. And that, unfortunately, you know, Rob, you know, uh, I, I've told you this, and I think people really know me, even unfortunately, people like Vince McMahon. Uh, I, I'm easy to take advantage of. I don't ask questions. I like to trust people. Um, I don't, uh, even when I get to shows, I never ask for my money up front. I'd like to think they, they know probably what's going to happen if they don't pay me. So I always have that sort of in my back pocket going for me. But um, again, I've not ever been stiffed on a show uh, other than one time from a guy in Buffalo. I think he stuffed everybody, but he ended up, I actually had to get an attorney out of New York and I got my money like that. But um, that's the only time I had a problem like this. And the only other time a guy tried to stiff me was Thomas. And once I got there and got in his, we got into his, uh, his uh, hotel room, he admitted to my face that he was trying to short me. And that, that Thomas, I've got. And if you say anything other than that, you're lying. And if you call me a liar, Thomas, you'll answer to that. And you'll answer to it in public. You know, you know, the worst thing, Thomas, in the world is to be persecuted in public. And that's exactly what I'll do to you, Fatso. Facts are facts. And that's facts just, are facts. Yeah. And I think it helps to uh, the kind of show you do. Like, I, I, I got to admit, I'm blessed. And I'm going to put this one up real quick. This is a, a buddy of mine, Todd. 
And he wrote on there, Robert Bellamy, I'm always there if someone ever needs a ride. I got you, buddy. CK Expo is the best. Those are the kind of people we have with our show. So nobody right. ever has to want anything because they know we take care of our people, you know. And Rob, you know, like the time I did that show in Philly, me and Doug, for the guy that I'm talking about, I think it's the same guy. He treated us well, too. We were picked up. He actually was kind enough to book me on another show since I was in New York. We did one there. Then I think, no, I'm sorry. We did one in Philly at the OECW arena. He was kind enough to get me booked on another show. So I got two paydays. We went to New York and did one. And he did every time I've ever worked with a guy other than he's a little standoffish, which I don't care if he don't want to talk to me. I don't need to talk to him either. That's everybody's prerogative. If you want to act like a big wig and Sid Vicious is working for you, you go ahead and do that. But when you badmouth me to Jeff and the guys with Cycle Sid Promotion, they got directly to me, okay? And not even knowing your name, I still know that you said it and what you did. Uh, so, you, you know, if you want to call me and apologize, you're welcome to. You know my phone number. Uh, I'll take an apology. I, I, like, I don't like to keep grudges. Uh, it's no fun unless you get to follow through with them. Uh, I don't get to beat people up because it, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's just not worth it sometime. Um, but if I get a good reason to, I will. So, but you got a chance, uh, whoever, whatever your name is, you can call me. We can work this out over the phone. Um, or we can work it out when I see you. And same with you, Tommy. If you want to call and maybe put your soul out, apologize and promise me this isn't ever going to happen again, I can forgive you too. I'm a pretty big, person when it comes to forgiving but if you want to push it to another level i can do that as well yeah the only thing i can add to that guys if you have a promotion be honest just be honest yeah. you know that's all it have to be you know um i don't know it just um when you're honest everything it, it makes for a more fun trip you know um like some example you you went to a show and the guy said, "Here's the check, but I can't cash it. Just hang on to it." The guy yeah, it's right out of the gate. Right, he didn't wait till after the show. He was honest about it. You know, I didn't take it out of him. I could have went out and grabbed the microphone. I could have told the 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 manager of the building. No, I said, you know what? I trust this guy. He was honest about it. But don't you know like Thomas on the other hand, he gives that little swerve in that conversation on the phone up. And as soon as I hung up, I said, "Go. I think I need to call this guy back." So, again, you know, Thomas is like one step from out right out of the carnival stages. And unfortunately, that's the type of promoter he is. Uh, and we have to have them because we do get paid by them sometime. Yeah. And I'd, I'd like to, you know, I just, he, 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 again, I, I want to see everybody out there, Rob, have an opportunity to make a dollar. But I don't think anyone should have to go through stuff like this. And I know he does it with other people. That day I was in that, in that hotel room waiting for, Gorgeous George and all of them to get their money. They waited for hours. They couldn't even get a parking pass to get their vehicle out of the goddamn parking lot. They had to pay for that themselves. So, Thomas, don't you dare for one goddamn minute act like you're some great promoter because you're not. And see, maybe that's just my small town mentality. Like, I live in a city, Me but it's big, you know. Yeah, exactly. And, and you trust people coming out of the gate, you know. To me, you have that hospitality. If we invite someone to our show, we roll out the red carpet. Well, I know that just by the trips you've made here. You always bring me some silly cookie or something. <laughs> it's 
Special no, and, 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 and to Rob and everybody, I don't want this to be uh, a hatred thing. I didn't really, of course, when people are, I don't like anyone that won't say anything to my face because I consider you a coward. And unfortunately, I don't have to consider both those guys cowards. Uh, I don't like cowards. Um, I don't like telephones. And this is one of the reasons I don't, you know, yourself, Rob, I didn't like this online stuff because I can't, you know, it's easy for someone to sit on a phone or on a, on a online or chat room and say anything you can't, you know, can't really do anything about it. But I will bet any amount of money right this minute that Thomas will not say a word to me when he sees me. He won't bring it up. He won't agitate me. He'll do what he's supposed to do and keep his fat mouth shut. I promise you, Thomas, you're a coward and you won't say anything to me about this. I'm interested to see that. <laughs> well, I'm too. I can't wait to see the fat son of a bitch. But yeah, guys, be honest. That's but just it. be honest, and, and then everything's okay. And but again, I, I Rob, have, I, have you ever seen me this mad before? Uh, no, I've seen you get fired up, and I can tell this is a passion point for you. Absolutely. Right. And and two, and I'm gonna tell people out there too, because I, I, Rob, I told you this, and this is what. I've been fighting with, and you know this, and I'm not ashamed of it, but I fight and I struggle with depression. Mm-hmm. A lot of shows that I didn't make a long time ago, guys, was because somewhere in my head I thought, okay, you know, I'm going to get another run with the WWF. And I was afraid to do anything that might water down what I might be able to do. Uh, not that I was afraid Vince would hold it against me doing an independent show, but I just kept thinking out that, you know, that next big break was going to come. And, um, Rob, you know this, and everybody knows this. I go now through uh, counseling for for my anger and for my depression, and I'm working on that. And I I, I believe in the last few years, I've not done any no-shows. I think I've worked hard at that. Uh, I finally realized what it meant to not people like Tom, Tommy Unger, but what it meant to the fans. I forgot for a minute, Rob, that I was even liked. Uh, and it's easy to do when you're in, de- in depression. And then all of a sudden, when I – and I'd been doing autograph signings, but really I wasn't there. And the first time I think it was, um, I can't remember when it was. I think it was one I did with Doug. Uh, and that again, brings back great memories. I really enjoyed it. And I really enjoyed seeing the fans and they made me feel so good and made me validated what I've worked so hard my whole life to do. And then I felt really guilty about the ones I missed and, uh, wondering how I could make that up to people. And, only way I can do is just be at the ones I'm asked to be at. But if someone tells me if this is a deal breaker and and they refuse to do what we shook hands on, then I that's out of my hand. And I'm yeah. sorry. Of course, there's really nothing to be sorry for. Thank God. The, not thank God. But the, this horrible thing with the coronavirus happened and uh, everything got canceled anyway. And that's what I don't understand either, Rob. It was canceled, but this guy still got to start. He's still got a charm off, or, or uh, what does the bird do? Um, chirp. Chirp. He's got to chirp out these false things. Why not just leave it alone? Why not call me? Because I've talked to him. Uh, we talked, me and him talked on, th- uh, me, him, and Doug both talked on a three week conversation. And I, after we hung up, I told Doug, I don't have a problem doing with this video, but I'm not going to do it till I see we got our tickets. And the, because uh, it wasn't a guy in Philly's fault, it was, it was Tom's fault, Tommy. 
or Thomas Unger, whatever his name is, it's his fault because he didn't get back. Now, here's a guy, too, calls me a year before, you know, six months before this is going to happen, and then gets down to it and goes, is this a deal breaker? Man, you've got to be the stupidest person ever, ever participate in this business. And I'm sure I'm not the only one that you've gotten stupid with. Unfortunately, I'm the one that talks the loudest. And you can't stop me from doing anything, Thomas. When I, sh- when I show up at an event, you're there, you say yes, sir, to me. You understand that? And I'm telling you that. And if you don't say yes, sir, well, we'll, we'll find out then. And you got that now to look forward to till you see me. See, I did something for you, Thomas. Gave you something to look forward to. There you, you go. Shit. Don't, 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 don't go shit your pants, Thomas. Won't do you any good. You can go crying to your mother. It won't do you any good. Okay? So enough of that, Rob. You got it, buddy. So why don't we get to a couple questions? Okay. Okay. People have been asking them here, but uh, I'm going to bring up this one. This is our buddy Dean over on the other side of the world. Sure. Sid, what was your favorite promo you ever cut? And did you have any input in them? Some people don't appreciate your promos because of a few mistakes, but for me, you are one of the best and definitely the most intimidating. Well, Dean, I didn't make many mistakes. The mistakes you're talking about were ones that were written for me to make, to make mistakes. Uh, I had a, a ton of great promos that I really look back on. But I'll be honest with you, the one I think, when I, and I it's all Vince McMahon's idea, it was when I did a promo in the empty arena at the Alamo Dome talking about Shawn Michaels. And um, I think that was, um, I think, far as I, when I say promo, I think that promo had a lot to do with putting people in the seats. And that was uh, Vince McMahon's idea, and that was a good one. I remember that one. I still remember that one. Yeah. But, but of course I did it, you know, so that's what made it so good. Well, that's, you guys had a lot more input than they do today. Yeah. That actually, that was the only time I ever took someone's advice on a promo. All other promos I did on my own. Uh, but that was, that was the one time. And that was actually a special thing. They flew me. I forget where raw was being taped that night, but they flew me to that arena by myself with a camera crew. So again, I think that was a, Really cool thing. Now, so as far as some, it wasn't really a promo, but it was. It was a Kevin Nash's idea when I was doing that um, that match with Bill Goldberg, where there was so much blood. Um, uh, where me and Bill got in the fight before the ma- in the beginning of the night, and actually a doctor came and cut me to where I would bleed. When I came up from that, I did a promo, and uh, I think that was um, as good or better. Right there as good, if not second, but as good. When we talk about kayfabe and people buying it, that was a kayfabe point to me because that was one of those lines that blurred it. Because you remember, that was one of the things I asked you. One of the first things we did on an interview for the movie Madhouse, it's how much of that was a work and how much of that was real with the blood loss. Sure, that was all real. It was such an, it was a great, great promo. Uh, Tojo's here, Tojo Yamamoto Jr. Me and Jose said it was good talking to you yesterday. Good talking to you too, Tojo. Uh, Rob, Tojo is the guy I told you about is having a real hard time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're trying, uh, Tojo, me and Rob, and uh, a couple of other our friends, we're trying to set up something that 
and I told you yesterday on the phone too, told you there was a lot of other people having a tough time. We're trying to figure out a floor map to where some of you guys can uh, sell your autographs. Um, Rob, where are we on that? Do you know? We do have a base. And actually, we're trying to set something up, but there is another company that has something set up, but it is going bang- gangbusters right now. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to get you his information or I'll get Tojo's and I will hook those guys up too. That'll give them another avenue. Okay. But yeah, anybody listening that wants to check it out, it's called Virtual Asylum. It's on Facebook. And I think yesterday they had Kevin Nash go on and he signed some pictures for some people. And that's with this other company. Okay, cool. But yeah, that's the kind of thing we're looking at. Um, I have one here from Steve. Uh, my son wants to know what was your favorite match with Sting. Oh man, that was just there were so many. Uh, we had one we did that we did around the loop, and actually it was dangerous. But it was a spot where I'd press Sting over my head and throw him onto a table on the floor, and it would just disintegrate. And then uh, he would just like the great storyline for a babyface or a good guy. He comes out of the the rubble and the smoke and the and sometimes the blood. He would bleed sometimes. Uh, he'd come back, make his comeback, you know, one, two, three, and man, the people would go crazy. And it was always, it's always easy working with Sting. He was, I, I tell people this all the time, he was one of the biggest givers. Um, I think one one time we had a little disagreement. Some guys had got into his head because I could nip up and people were jealous of that. But other than that one time, and I told Steve, I said, Sting, don't let these guys, you know, get you beat up. You know, and, and it was uh, a couple guys that I w- really wanted to beat up, and uh, and they were all standing there. So I didn't really do it in direction of Sting. I did it in, in their direction, and um, I never heard another word about that kind of stuff again. Here's one from Andy. I think I know the answer to this one. What's the stupidest rumor you've heard about yourself? Probably about the squirrel in my pants. That's that's freaking hilarious. I have no idea where that would even start. You know. Yeah. I don't, even, I don't even have a penis as big as a squirrel, so I don't know where they got that. Maybe it's the fuzzy tail. That's got to be. It's right? the fuzzy tail, yeah. Okay, let's see if I can find a couple more here real quick because they have still been typing in. Um, where is a good one? I'm trying to find something with a question mark. Uh, let me see. Well, here's just a comment. Sid, still the man. God bless. There, That's a good comment. Thanks, John. Appreciate that. And okay, here's one. Hey, Sid and Rob, I hope you guys are all well. Would Sid get back in the ring and have a match after the lockdown? Man, you know what? Now, me and Rob feel the same. I think about this uh, lockdown thing. I I tell you guys, uh, this is pretty simple. We don't have all the answers to this to this pandemic thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, every day, it seems like every week they come up with something new that this is doing. Um, I just wouldn't. Uh, and I'll give you an example. I remember one time uh, when the Moon Dogs died in the ring over at the Mid South Coliseum. Um, call me superstitious. Now I wasn't there that night, but if I had been, I would not went back in that ring. There's just some things I just don't think are worth it. And uh, going to a ring after someone died, and and going to the ring hopefully in the chance that I could die. No, I, I wouldn't do it. Gotcha. Well, okay, this will lead into this question then. What did you think of returning to the WWE in a match against Heath Slater in 2012? 
I thought that was fun uh, for what it was. You know, it's one of those things that just, you know, trying to bring up what that, I think that was some, some anniversary, something like that. It was, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, Slater's a great guy to work with and he made it, made it totally a total night off. Nice. Uh, this one is from Greg. He said, ask Sid about his little friend that he used to bring on Memphis wrestling. His name was cowboy something. Can't remember his last name. His name was Cowboy Seth Patel. Okay. And he lives in Boise, Idaho. Um, he lives up there in an assist living program um, where he gets to do a whole lot. They get to have barn dances. And a lot of people don't know it, but he's a big Garth Brooks fan. And he loves country music. And um, he's doing real well. Thanks for asking. He's a, He was a big part of my family's life. And uh, I, I don't know a funnier person. I'll be honest with you. He's so funny. One of the best basketball shooters I've ever seen. Bowls a bowls almost a perfect game. Uh, swims like Tarzan. It's just phenomenal. Uh, the, the things this kid does. That's awesome. I don't think I've ever seen any of those Memphis matches. Well, he got on there once or twice, and then I brought him in WCW once. He managed me against Doctor Dusty Williams at uh, at the uh, at the uh, Superdome in New Orleans. And then the next night, he was uh, went to ringside with me as uh, on a thunder taping. Nice. So he, you know, this is the cool thing about it. So he lives up. His was well, his father lives up around a place called um, Yakima, Washington. And uh, so when he goes up to a little rural area like that, he was like a big celebrity. So when he went home, the the newspaper was there, the the TV squad was there. So he he was a real hero there for a while. That is awesome. Uh, we've got two people with pretty much the same question. Here's Lou and, oh, actually, sorry. They're both from Lou. What were your thoughts on your ECW run? That was fun. That was fun to watch. It was, that. it was fun. And what I liked about it is like we talked earlier, it was just above an independent glorified independent promotion. That's pretty much all it was. They were struggling, but it was a lot of fun. You got to do what you wanted to. There was no restraints. And so it was fun. Uh, here's a good one. Hey, Sid, which Mid-South wrestler do you wish you could have wrestled with that you didn't get a chance to? Man, I don't know if there was. I didn't, to uh, be honest with you. Um, I can't really answer that, uh, uh, Rob. I, I can't think of anybody thing about it was and i'm not knocking memphis there weren't a, like a lot of great workers there you know people like jerry lawler don bass they all went to the chain it was just walk and talk so it was wasn't anything you ever wanted to write home about um uh, as far as in, in that era though the the guy probably the greatest worker I ever worked with in that time and era and, and he might have been in, in memphis but he was down in continental was danny davis danny davis possibly one of the greatest workers of all time all right, let's get one more in here. And that's Nightmare Danny Davis, too. That's the other Danny Davis, yes. Right, right, right. Oh, this is a good one to end it on. This is from Simon. Who came up with the master and ruler of the world? You know, it was partially me. It was partially Dutch Mantel. Dutch was watching me doing interviews one time in Gainesville, Georgia, and was saying, Man, if I was you, I'd tell people when I walk the ground shakes and, and which I did do that sometimes. And then, uh, then he said, 
you should tell them you're the master and the ruler of the world. And, and it, it just went from there. It's stuck. It's stuck so good. It's, it's in the intro. When people watch, listen to this podcast, they're going to hear it in the intro. That's it. Excellent. Well, dude, thanks so much for taking time out and answering some of these stuff. And then definitely for doing the pod. Like, Sure, sure, sure. That is awesome. So what we'll do, we'll wrap it up. And anybody listening to the podcast right now knows that we're going to get to a question. My time is yours. And now we have Jackson from Michigan. Uh, Jackson, not only do you have a question, it's your birthday, isn't it? Coming up. Yes. Yep. For people listening, he's nodding his head. Yes. That's it. Happy birthday, Jackson. Thanks. What's your question for Sid, Jackson? My question is, what is it like to be a wrestler? Well, that's a good question, Jackson. Um, it's a little hard to answer in such a short time, but you know what I was thinking about just today before you asked that question? Um, I was thinking of my career when I first started in Continental. It actually... I was really young at the time. Um, everything was just, um, it sort of reminded me of like the show Happy Days or American Graffiti, which I'm writing a book about. Part of that was sort of like my childhood. And what I'm getting to is this, that every night was just uh, like when we got, if we stayed out of town sometime, you know, wherever the hotel we'd stay at or something like that, the cars would just circle around the hotel that we were at, honking horns and, you know, we'd get a free dinner once in a while from some, you know, some of our fans and um, we weren't making about 40, $50 a night. Um, but I guess again, Jackson, answer your question. How does it feel to be a wrestler? When you're be the beginning things like continental were, like I said, it was like beginning days of a uh, childhood memory. Everything's having foot. You're having fun. You don't know all the downsides to the business. And all of a sudden, then the next step, it becomes a business. And unfortunately, a business is it's it's like that. You got to work hard, um, and it's it's not what people think it is. Um, it's long hours. I'm talking like, you know, and this is no exaggeration. Three thirty, say in the morning. This was my average time of waking up. Rob knows I still get up at three thirty every morning just so have it. Um, get out of the hotel maybe four o'clock. Get to a gym. Uh, if not getting to a gym, get to the airport. And then get to your next town at 7 or 8 o'clock in the morning. And then get a rental car and go to the gym. Then come back and get a room. And then for me, uh, this is no kidding, then it was back to the gym again if I was able to. And then back to get a shower and get my bags packed. And then either, you know, we were in the same town that night or we would have to drive, you know, 200, 250 miles to the show and then back that night. And then so I'd get in, say, 12, 12.30 and get to bed around 1, 1.30, and then right back up at 3.30 again. So um, in the beginning, when you're in those kind of um, long hours, <clears throat> again, in the beginning, of it, you, you don't think anything. You're young, and uh, you're just going through the motions. For me, again, it was, uh, it was just so much fun. And then all of a sudden, when it becomes work, then those days from you know 3.30 in the morning to 1.30 at night, they get a little bit tougher. Nice. Thanks for the answer, Skin. Thanks for the question, Jackson. You've been listening to the Vicious Circle Podcast. Your host, Sid Udi. Co-host, J. Robert Bellamy. Additional research by Pete Marsh. The Vicious Circle Podcast was produced by Two Cousin Road Trip Media, a division of JX3 Media Productions. The intro music, Omega Amigo, was by The Shaman. All rights to the podcast are held by Sid Udi.